This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 30 seconds to air. What do you think about flowers for the show notes? Where's that tape? Anyone have the promo for the show notes? Wait, where's the Fiji water? This isn't... Is this tap water? 15 seconds. Can somebody get the cat? I can't drink tap water. Can someone tell Joe's mom to stop packing me? It's not hard to find. Does anybody see my hair gel? Tesian water. Natural. Quiet on the set. Live in three, two... Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I hope you're ready to have fun today. To talk to us about finding success with a side dish of joy, we welcome chef extraordinaire and the author of Don't Worry, Be Happy, Marie Saba. Happy food? Happy anybody? Anybody? Well, don't worry. She's here to explain. And it's pretty punny. In our headlines, what's the true cost of eating at restaurants? Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to an anonymous caller. I'm not convinced is an OG throwing his voice, and you'll see why. And then I'll have a moving trivia question. And now, two guys who put the pun in pundit. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. And a happy pre-Labor Day weekend to you all. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. Across the card table from me, getting ready for his family's Labor Day feast. It's Mr. OG. Does it kind of start already on Wednesday? Like by Thursday, by Thursday kickoff morning, you're like, yeah. <laughs> I got a little <laughs> something I should probably kick out of here a little early, boss, right? I mean, <laughs> I would hate to get anybody else sick. That's why I'm glad the Friday show is always recorded ahead of time, live all summer. We had them well recorded. So this is this is our Friday. So we can <laughs> pre-game. Moron. The Friday show is always live, recorded early. <laughs> like, wait, what? Uh, is it live? Uh, is it recorded? No, the Friday show is always live, recorded early. <laughs> By- is this not live recorded early? Live on tape. What? <laughs> Coming to you live a week ago, 
recorded. It is weird, though. Delivered to you today. Recording the Friday shows on Monday. It's always weird. Happy Friday, everybody, when we're just starting our We're recording week. the Friday shows the Monday before the Friday, and uh, we're like, wait, what? Makes our head hurt. Um, late, Labor Day does not make my head hurt as I get ready to feast away, but you're right. Pre-game, OG. We're, Four banger. We're going to pre-game. This is the last one until Thanksgiving, right? The last show we have? <laughs> yes, this is this is it. Love it or shove it. Just hit record. No, I said last long, long break. I get, some people have uh, Columbus Day off. That's kind of a Northeast holiday. That's a quickly dying holiday. Frankly, I, quite ironic. But um, then you got like the what? The 10 week sprint till the holidays? Something like that. Is that about how far And then it we're is? in it. Can it, you it, believe it? No, 12 weeks. It's a solid tour. We're, we're in it. It's, it's phenomenal. Speaking of phenomenal. It's almost Christmas. <laughs> Chef Marie Saba is here today. She has a wonderful new book out called Don't Worry, Be Happy. Happy. Like P-E-E? H-A like, and a P, like a literal vegetable P. Oh, okay. Not P-E-E. P-E-A. P-E-A. And she's making all kinds of puns in this just fantastic project. She's going to talk all about that, but she's also going to do what we love having somebody do for us every Labor Day, which is if you're cooking out with a family, let's make it good food, people. You know, you stack Benjamins, you can enjoy the Benjamins. Today, we're going to help you because Chef Marie Saba going to take it from there. But we got a lot of that coleslaw on ice. Yes, we got a lot of don't pull a hashtag pull to Joe. Got a lot of fun on our end coming up. But before all that, this episode sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, you know what I think about Navy Federal? I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. Want to say a special shout out to Uh, My nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. And now we're ready to go, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamin's Headlines. You know, I was thinking to myself the other day about how 
amazing these holidays are. Labor Day, Memorial Day, some pretty good inventions. But I got to say, of all the inventions, OG, of the last hundred years, the dry erase marker has got to be the most remarkable. Oh, come on. Don't reach for it. No. And you're there you go. Thank you. I thought you were going for the other one. Don't do the other one. Oh, you can do that one too. That's a good one. Thank you. Yes. Thanks. There it is. I, I think you would put a little stank on that last word though. Remarkable. There you go. Got to like emphasize it so people know that I'm actually joking. Let's talk about food before Marie comes down and joins us while she's upstairs sharing recipes with mom right now. This comes to us from Market Watch and is uh, written by Charles Passy. This 27-year-old spends $1,000 a week at restaurants and just $36 on nice. groceries. A Bon Appetit story about a 27-year-old tech professional has sparked quite the social media frenzy. Commenters have criticized the restaurant budget as being overly excessive, but it is one also noted mixture of emotions here, but envy is certainly one of them. Here's the expenses. Weeks total, $1,033.17 of those. Restaurant and ca- oh, a thousand. Yeah. Restaurants and cafes, $996.42. Groceries, $36.75. Most expensive meal, dinner for two at Shoto, $459.54. Least expensive meal, a pistachio croissant at Tate. $4.50 before tax and tip. Number of restaurant and cafe meals, 12. Number of grocery trips, one. I've seen stories like this about money, like a spending, like how did you spend your money over a week? And then I did see an article. It wasn't this person's, but I saw that there was a company, it must have been Bon Appetit, the magazine, that was doing this, but with the food. So uh, $52,000 pace. At restaurants, fifty two thousand dollars. I mean, pace. is that is it just one week that was off a little bit, or it could be a four hundred and fifty dollar meal in one week is a big chunk of the budget, you know? I mean yeah. that's that this might not have been a normal week, but assuming that Bon Appetit picked it because it is a normal week, and that's what people are buzzing about, that's a that's a lot of money on food. My first thought was I don't know what what was your first thought? Uh <laughs> I was my my first thought was if you're spending uh fifty grand a year on food, you must make a lot of money. Well, it's funny that you say that because that was almost my second thought. My first thought was that's too much money on food. And by the way, restaurants versus eating at home, we'll get into that in a second. But then I but then I remember that judging other people for how much money they spend on whatever they spend kind of is a road to nowhere. You know, I, yeah. okay. It's their money. And to your point, if, if this dude makes $700,000 a year, $50,000 on food, not a huge food budget. Yeah. Percentage wise, of course not. I mean, just like a person making 70,000 spending 5,000 a year on food, right? Just drop a zero. So I think for most of us, we would, we look at it through the prism of our experiences, right? And we look and we go, oh my goodness, I, like I spend $1,000 a month on food. Like how, how, how could you possibly eat that much? I do agree at some point there is some sort of kind of plateau in that spending, right? You can only, you know, take the $400 meal, you know, for dinner. Sure, you could have that every day, right? You could go to the, the nice steakhouse every lunch and dinner would that take the fun out of it or would that be more fun because my initial <laughs> thought is cholesterol just skyrockets <laughs> that, and, my initial and you're dead <laughs> uh more butter please could i have more butter 
this steak isn't sizzling enough. Hold on a second, sir. We'll get you the 500 degree plate and put some more butter on it for you. That's what I need. But I mean, I know people that go out to lunch every single day for work. That's their routine. You know, it's like, hey, where are we going for lunch today? And you spend 20 or 30 bucks every day going out to lunch. I know people that go out to a restaurant once a month and eat at home every other meal. So, I mean, it's really kind of what suits you and, you know, what fits into your life. But food, transportation costs, housing expenses, those are basically the top three. And so if you're looking at your lifestyle and you're going, not going in the direction that I want to go, or I feel like I'm kind of spinning my wheels, I'm making money, but I don't feel like I'm able to save it, or I'm not able to reach the goals that I want to have, it's probably one of those three things. If it's not any of those three things, then it's a definitely an income problem. So we've talked about before, the greatest thing about you know what we do with money and, and how we think about you know, our lives is that at the end of the day, you can always make more money. You know, it's not easy. You know, it's not, it's not easy to go get a second job or a third job or whatever it is. And so you can always work to increase that top line. But if you want to have a savings plan or you want to have a, you know, some financial goals that are kind of in line with where you are, what you want to accomplish over, over a long period of time, and you can't figure out why I take a look at one of those three things, food, transportation, or housing. And my guess is one of those may be out of whack a little bit. Yeah. If he cuts that to just $600, no matter where he eats, goes from a thousand to 600, $400 a week. That's a ton more savings. That is a, it's almost your entire 401k contributions for the year right there. But like you said, somebody that's making a million bucks a year. Maybe, maybe this is the only thing that this person spends any money on. Yeah, if they're, if they're doing well saving for whatever they want for themselves and they're, yeah. yeah, why not have some fun with it? There is the second half of this argument, though, OG, that you referenced earlier, which is quality of life. You think over the short run that eating at restaurants gives you a higher quality of life. Uh, this piece comes from from a website known as obesityaction.org. I wonder what their point of view will be. Oh, Apparently, they aren't big fans of eating at restaurants. They talk about a few things that are problems at restaurants. Number one is, as Americans, we've become accustomed to and expect larger portion sizes from restaurants. Quote, I want my money's worth, and we love coming here because the portion sizes are huge, are the most common statements I hear when going to a restaurant. That, that is like the funniest thing. Like, hey, so how, you know, you went out to this such and such a place. You know, how did you like the food? Oh, they gave us so much. We had to take some home. It's like, that's not what I asked. How was the food? Like, it wasn't very good, but I got a whole big bag of it to take with me. So I could have bad food later. So I can throw it out in a week from now in my trash, you know, because I'm not going to eat leftovers. Like, Sit in my refrigerator for a week and remember how good that that restaurant was. But that's a big problem because I don't know about you, OG, but I am a clean my plate kind of dude. That was the way I was brought up. And I do find that when mm -hmm. I have a bigger plate of food in front of me, I overeat. Don't even think about it. Mm -hmm. Overeat. Yeah, because that's what you were told. Your, your dad knew my dad, probably. Second is what we both alluded to earlier, savor the flavor. Restaurants are in the business to make money. And this was, I know we've referenced uh, Tony Bourdain's book, uh, Kitchen Confidential, which is a fantastic read, just a great page turner read from the late Anthony Bourdain. 
about food and a good time with Labor Day weekend coming up when a lot of people are eating anyway. But he makes this point in Kitchen Confidential. Restaurants are in the business to make money and calorie counting is not at the top of their list. Their goal is to have you come back. And one chef even yep. told Tony, he said, hey, you know, we got that calorie thing that people can can get and some states mandate that they have to say how many calories. He's like, that is a lie because I'm throwing as much butter in your food as I can. Butter and shallots and anything that increases the flavor because... I want you to come back. And if I serve you bland food, you're not coming back. You don't know what I'm putting in the food. I'm putting in magic to make your taste buds come alive. And that Mm -hmm. means the calorie count's going to be through the roof. Yeah. Even something like we were talking about earlier with like just a piece of chicken or a piece of steak or something like that, or a piece of fish, you go, oh, fish is super healthy. It's like they broil it in bathe it butter it's just bathe that's it that's why, that's why when you go how come when i have a halibut at such and such a place it tastes way better than when i cook it at home it's because yours is broiled in you know the oven theirs is, is deep fried in butter without crumbs what a and way to go like way better when i die like if there is a heaven maybe they'll just uh just um, buttery halibut every day for dinner. Oh, so good. It'd be so the good. white berry blanc sauce or, or just get rid of the halibut and give me the butter in the sauce. Like every day, just, just, <laughs> just the sauce, sauce and butter <laughs> just in a coffee mug <laughs> with no repercussions, zero repercussions anymore. Cause I'm dead. The last one here, and this is the one that I have a problem with is that people talk about the time saving eating at a restaurant saves me time. People say, And while you're not preparing it yourself, studies show, by the way, people don't like to spend more than 20 minutes making themselves food, according to this piece. But I got to tell you, I love cooking at home. And almost like when we talk about exercise, I got to get myself to the kitchen. But once I'm in the kitchen and I turn on some music and I might even go a little non-healthy and pour myself a glass of wine just to have while I make it, it gets rid of the day. I think like a lot of people, you kind of carry your day around with you. If I go to the restaurant, I'm still kind of in my day. In fact, Cheryl and I have been at a restaurant before where the first half of the meal, we barely talk to each other. We're both on our phones, looking at our emails, going, okay, what happened while I was in the middle of my day and kind of unpacking. If I have to chop carrots, I have to mentally be there or I'm going to slice off a digit. So I find that if I have to follow a recipe piece by piece by piece and do the chopping, the cutting, the sorting, the whatever, all by myself, it's this great way of just ending my workday and getting into some relaxation mode. I like it a lot. It is super fun. I agree. We cook most of our meals at home at our house. And since I work from home, obviously you work from home too, it's easy to kind of kind of drift back and forth throughout the day, right? Between office and in your case you have two offices you know you're just kind of sort of like drifting around but i try to make it a point to like close the office door okay i'm done done for the day i like it good stuff here so healthier makes you more productive when you feel better and uh better on your wallet to eat at home and of course marie sabe upstairs with some great recipes to get you started in that direction she's coming up next Marie Saba, of course, has a fantastic website, mariesaba.com. We love that. She has this wonderful new book out full of puns, full of food puns. Cheryl and I had a great time with this. I'm so excited to talk to her about it. This is something that uh, we usually 
don't do. <laughs> we don't talk to people that author books about food puns. So I like that too. Great way to end our last recording session before the holiday. And also next week, we have our Rewind Week. We're playing best of shows. But before we say hello to Marie, Doug, you've got uh, some trivia for us. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Today is the anniversary of the creation of a big moneymaker. Thomas Edison patented the movie projector on this day in 1897. The next day, he had to invent parental control filters. You know, there's actually a National Museum of Cinema where you can see a projector from 1900, the shark's head prop used in Jaws, and Darth Vader's mask. You probably assumed the museum was in Hollywood because you're not as worldly as I. Why, I have been to Albuquerque. The National Museum of Cinema is actually not in the United States at all. So my question is, what country is it in? I'll be back. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now... Because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Becoming a member at Navy Federal Credit Union lets you experience more from everyday commutes to your next big vacation. The flagship credit card earns you three times the points on travel so you can get rewarded. Speaking of rewards, Doug, did you know you can get a Navy Federal auto loan and reward yourself with a new car? Oh, uh, okay. yeah. I would love to do that. Uh, I think I deserve that reward you, since I'm not getting any from you or Joe. Applying is easy. You can do it from their mobile app online or on the phone. It's so fast. You get a decision in seconds. They've got great rates on auto loans. So if you're ready to reward yourself with the new car, Doug, uh, you get a good rate. And uh, with their car buying service, powered by True Car, have you ever used True Car for anything? I keep hearing amazing things about it, but I have not. It helps. Uh, yeah, there's no negotiation. You shop, compare, and get upfront pricing on your next new or used car. And Navy Federal members are the mission. Lots of things to consider on auto loans, though, right, Doug? There's rates there's whether or not the car you're going to buy has uh still has its catalytic converter or if it got cut out before you know there's all there's rust you got to look at right is that all stuff that uh, yes i, I was thinking about? those uh down payments you need to be aware of your interest oh. rates monthly payments 
you know, can you afford all that stuff? Most importantly, Navy, yeah, money stuff. Navy federal makes the application process easy. So check out, uh, Navy Federal. Of course, credit and collateral are subject to approval. Message and data rates could apply if you use texting. Visit NavyFederal.org for more information. And Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. You did it again. You took my parts. Why do you keep... Because I'm good at it. I understand my place now. Hey there, stackers. I'm movie popcorn critic and milk dud, Joe's mom's neighbor Doug. Sure, we Netflix and grill now, but things weren't always so easy. Movies used to have to be physical objects you could literally cut and paste. Anyone who's seen Fight Club knows that. It was Maria Adriana Prolo who had the idea for the museum, though I don't think her interests overlapped with those of Tyler Durden. So, where is the National Museum of Cinema located? Turin, Italy. Get it right? Go pop some Orville Redenbacher and charge yourself 27 bucks for it to celebrate. And now, let's say hello to the woman who's going to help us cook better food this Labor Day weekend and maybe share a dad joke or two, Marie Saba. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's our new friend Marie Saba here. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for helping us with Labor Day because as you know, Marie, more than most people... The grocery store has gotten very expensive. It's gotten incredibly expensive. So if you can help us make things cheaper, that's going to be great. But before we get to that, I got to tell you this, uh, and I'll just put it in Star Wars geek speak. The, uh, the dad joke force in you is strong, Marie. It is so strong. Like, where did the dad joke idea come from? The, this whole book, Don't Worry, Be Happy... Yes. It's just, it's so damn funny. Well, I do owe all my dad joke humor to my dad. He is the king of cringe, told bad jokes growing up all the time. So really humor, I do owe that to my parents. Humor was such a big part of our household. I've got four brothers and it's just joke after joke after, you know. And so that's probably where it comes from. But these puns actually in this book, Don't Worry, Be Happy, 101 Deliciously Clever Food Puns actually has a little bit of a different story. I'll tell you that real quick. Oh, if you yeah. And then I thought we'd do just three or four of them because there are a couple I wanted to ask you about and we'll give people a taste of it. That sounds good. So um, this came about because, first of all, I'm in the kitchen all the time. I'm a chef, recipe writer, content creator. And so we're in the kitchen all the time. But this came about, I have two young children. And when they were in, say, first grade, we had to get 25 Valentines for their first grade class. So we went to the grocery store, looked at the Valentines there, and we did not like them. They were just not, they didn't connect at all to them. They didn't really get the joke. So we said, let's go home and make our own. So we went home and we had these letter cookies and we made them into puns. And this was the first one, actually. It's, I am bananas, bananas for, you. for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so real simple <laughs> that the uh, first graders could understand. And then we made a few others. We are meant to be. And um, oh, I, I like are, this one. I don't know if this one was one of the, one of the original ones. Yeah. I love you a waffle lot. 
Yes, I that, was, that in was in there. So they started out as Valentines, and I posted them on my Instagram. And I think within a few hours, Bon Appetit magazine emailed and said, we would love to do a story on your food, Valentines. Are you doing more? And so, of course, my response was, yes, we're doing more. Yeah. And so we did. We did more. And so that's kind of how they came about. Well, I would have thought, Marie, that I was being punked. Like one of my <laughs> friends was writing me from Bona Appetit. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought that that was really happening. Like, come on, no way. <laughs> right. Well, you know, that's how Instagram works. Sometimes you just, someone sees you and it takes off. And this was legit. It was a legit email with the email address and the whole uh, signature line. So, you know, I, I fell for it. <laughs> I'm just imagining you and your friends like sitting around, you know, I mean, this would be my household. We're sitting around, we open up like a bottle of wine and we just, these start flowing, right? (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to show people. Is that what happened by the way? Well, what happens is I'll want to make a pun and I'll say, I've got to make a pun with uh, guacamole. I don't know what to do for guac. And so I'll invite some of my husband's, you know, real funny, smart friends over and I throw it out there and then, then they just start riffing. And so, so yes, it is, it is that way. And there is wine or margaritas. Yes. That sounds like planning meetings for our show, by the way, where this starts off and it starts (laughs) off bad, not the wine, but it starts off bad and then it gets funnier as we go. Uh, so you go into movies, yes. we've got cherry Maguire, of course, with a, with a cherry on top. And then, uh, the people that are in movies we have, and I'm just going to skip and give people a little taste of this, uh, Robert Brownie Jr., which I thought was awesome. One of my favorites. Yep. Okay. So Cheryl and I, my spouse and I, Marie, were on this trip to Dallas. We had this thing open the entire way. And then every time people come over, we're showing them this book and talking about how I'm going to be talking to you. And everybody loves this book, but there's two that we can't figure out. So if people don't want the spoiler of the next couple minutes, feel free to just fast forward, let's say two minutes, and we'll get through these with Marie. But they're on two pages next to each other. So we have we we actually had to look up what this was. I think it's Swiss Shard. Mondays are Swiss Shard. Like I, we can't figure it out. Mondays are charred. Mondays, Mondays are, are charred. Mondays are charred. So I Mondays guess it's a pronunciation. It used to shard. Oh, yeah, Mondays are charred. And then on the next page, <laughs> we have what I think is a leak. Yes, yes, yes. On fleek. That is it. You've got to be a millennial to know that that yeah. lingo. But that is right. I'm surprised you got, let me ask you this one. This one is very hard. I'm surprised you got this one. Oh, um, I'm tying for you. I'm, because uh, because we thought it was like, I'm dying for you. I'm tying for oh, you. Oh, no, I'm, no. Uh, it's, um, that's for folly pasta. For folly. I'm for and falling for, for you. I'm for falling for you. So there I'm are some falling. tough ones. And I'll tell you that at my editor was like, we should take these out. They're too hard. And I said, no, I want some hard ones <laughs> because, you know, you want to range. You want to range. So I'm with you, Marie. I thought it made it more fun because right. some of them we really sat forever and we had to come back. Uh, another easy, fun one. Great barrier reef great berry or reef yes. uh, yep. these are these are you know, awesome one of my friends it was a similar thing she took it on a car ride with her and her kids and they went through them they guessed them kind of as a family on the car ride and i thought that was so fun because there's some in here like forrest gump if she has young kids maybe they don't know forrest gump it's like yeah 
instant conversation and um, fun for the whole family. Well, we thought it was fleek. I wasn't sure if it was fleek, and I'm glad that you confirmed that one. But the shard one went right over my head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, now I can't wait to text Cheryl when we get done. Right. <laughs> We're going to put the book aside for a second. We'll come back and remind people of what it is, but it's don't worry, be happy. You can get this wherever. But I want to talk about your career because you didn't start off in food, Marie. You were a lawyer? Yes. Well, I've always been into food. We always cooked a lot growing up. So it was a big part of my life, but not like essential career. And I actually thought about going to cooking school. I said, I was, uh, you know, deciding for a kind of a grad school. And I thought, should I go to cooking school or should I go to law school? Then I read a book about being a chef and it said, you spend your whole life behind closed doors. And so then I went to law school and I spent my whole life behind closed doors. <laughs> closed doors. <laughs> But no, I, I went to law school and I became a lawyer and I practiced for about seven years and then part-time for a while and then um, just kept getting pulled back to cooking because it is such a passion for me um, and uh, ended up writing a cookbook and doing my own little cooking show on public access, which was a disaster <laughs> straight up. But, you know, it, it, it ended up airing in 90 different counties around the world. And so wow. people are okay with disasters sometimes if it's, if it's just, you know, you're learning something. So I did that while I was practicing law on the weekends and then just started to move away and got more and more into cooking and then just took the leap and um, moved straight into cooking. And it has not been uh, smooth sailing. I lived with my parents for a while. I, you know, I've gone back and done some part-time law to earn some extra money, but I, I just stick with it. So as we were mentioning, you know, earlier, it's like, you got to kind of find your way and there's no, you know, even if you, even if you choose one path, you might end up somewhere else and that is perfectly okay. And actually, you know, it, it's, it's actually made me better at what I do. I'm better as a content creator because I know how to read contracts so it's, it's a neat combination. I thought there's another Austin friend of mine who you may know, a guy named Austin Cleon, who has a book called Steal Like an Artist, often talks about how one thing fuels another that you would never think. Like for him, playing his guitar fuels this other stuff. And I think I learned a bunch from all the crappy jobs I had growing up, right? And where I think a lot of parents don't want their kids to have crappy jobs. I think there's some power in that. And I love the fact that you went from lawyer to doing what you're passionate about because I feel like there's so much pressure on kids today to get it right, right away. You know, people want to get it right and parents want to have a kid that gets a 4.0 and goes to the perfect college and then has the perfect career and all this, you know, it's all right to mess it up. Yeah, it's all right. And it's all, um, as my dad used to say, fortunately, my dad was, was not that way at all. He'd say, well... If I had a bad job or something I didn't like, he said, well, at least now you know what you don't want to do. And I said, that is right. I don't want to do that anymore. And so, yeah. And, you know, it's my husband. He's a lawyer, too. But he is in a band on the side. And so even if you kind of find your way, you can still have a, a hobby or a passion. And that is actually so great for balance and, you know, just your life, your, how fulfilled you are in life. And so fortunately my husband has that. Cause I think he really gets it. We kind of get each other in that way. Yeah. Sounds like a perfect fit. That also, by the way, is a perfect segue for us. Speaking about getting it, everybody becomes, as you know, grill master extraordinaire for just a couple weekends a year, right. Memorial Day and Labor Day, notorious for that. And I don't know about you, but I've been to some cookouts where it didn't turn out that well. 
And with the grocery store, we spend, let, let me try to do my pun. Um, we spend a lot of cabbage now. How about that at the grocery store? <laughs> you're, you're punning. Okay. Okay. I'm going to stick to the puns. Okay. Take it easy, Emery, because I'm not that good at this. I'm brand new. You're very experienced at this. I, I can't do it on the fly either. So it's all good. <laughs> we'll just. How do we make sure that this weekend at the very least is not a disaster and, and maybe some good ideas to make it so that we get this wonderful food out of this weekend to share with friends and family? Yeah. So I'm grilling. I do grill and my husband grills some too. We love, I mean, if you can get a good cut of meat, you don't have to do much with it. And I love to do a really good sauce with it. I'm a real like sauce person. I love chimichurri and that is so cheap. It's cilantro, parsley, or just parsley, garlic, olive oil, and uh, vinegar. So it's real simple, real cheap, and that can go on anything you're grilling from fish to chicken to lamb. Do you, do, do you, by the way, before you move on, Marie, do you marinate that ahead of time or do you just apply it while it's on the grill? How do you apply that? I do the sauce just after. So just Afterwards. grill what you're uh, grilling with some olive oil and salt and then just add your sauces. And that keeps it real simple. There's no doing ahead anything. That's So that's why these like sauces are like a compound butter with some softened butter and Dijon chives, mm. lemon zest. Put that on anything. It takes it up, you know, takes it up a notch. So that's delicious. Also love as sides. One of my favorite is a marinated broccoli salad, which is fairly affordable. And it's one of those things that, you know, sometimes you go to a potluck or a picnic and things are sitting out for a while. Well, the marinated broccoli salad gets better the longer it sits. So one to sit, you know, have sitting there and yeah. Well, everybody listening has been listening to us for a long time when you say it's been sitting out. So I am famous Marie for at my 50th birthday party, giving myself food poisoning because I ate coleslaw that had been sitting out the entire time. Everybody left and I was still on cloud nine. So I ate a ton of coleslaw the next day. I thought I had the flu. Uh I didn't have the flu. I tried to kill myself with coleslaw. Uh So Okay, well, this this is this is for you. Then you can have a marinated <laughs> broccoli salad. There's a marinated green bean salad. No mayonnaise involved. Let it sit out. Another another one we do. Now this is have some mayonnaise, but a giant Caesar salad. It's just romaine and croutons and parmesan. And I've got a great dressing on my website, mariesaba.com. And then as far as saving costs to, you know, a flank steak, love that as a cutting meat. If you you do need to marinate that one. But uh, if you marinate it and cut it real thin, you know, against the grain, it's it's fantastic. In a salad or by itself? By itself. By itself is great. You know, you can throw it on rolls. You can throw it in some tortillas. Mm. Yeah, throw it in tortillas for, for some little fajitas or, or with a salad is great. Lots of options. I like to have options because everybody's got all these different, you know, sort of eating restrictions. So I like to have like a chimichurri. It's dairy-free. It's gluten-free. It's sugar-free. Have that have some grilled steak and put that together and anyone can enjoy it. What's neat is at your website, uh, com, as you mentioned, it's S-A-B-A for people that are just driving down the road and want to remember that S-A-B-A, or you can go to our show notes page, stackybedjamins.com and we'll have a link to the website, but you offer people in their email where they can get recipes on an ongoing basis. Right. You can sign up for uh, recipes. And also the thing about my website, and I did this on purpose, is there are no long blog posts. There's no ads. There's no pop-ups. You just click on the recipe you want, and there's a photo, 
several photos, and there's the recipe. And wait a minute, I don't have to click seven times just to figure out what the oven setting is. Scroll, scroll, <laughs> scroll, scroll. That's, I mean, I, I have endless frustration trying to find recipes online. And so when I did this website, my my web guys kept saying, "Well, no, if you do here, they they click again." And I was like, "Absolutely not! <laughs> We're just <laughs> a recipe where they can see it." So that really is one of my goals: is making it easy easy for, for the recipes are easy and I want access to be easy. Let's make this pleasant, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 What are the Sabas eating this weekend, this holiday weekend? We love to do burgers and ground beef is on the more affordable side of the meats that you can buy. And my secret for a really flavorful burger that is so easy is I have a, a barbecue sauce that I really like, and you just put about a tablespoon in there. And it gives you some garlic. It gives you some, you know, kind of hickory. It gives you all these little seasonings that are already in the barbecue sauce. Those go into your beef and it comes out. It doesn't taste like barbecue at all or or sauce. It just has this nice kind of under flavor to it. Is it a Marie Saba recipe or is it something off the store shelf? Uh, The barbecue sauce is off the store shelf. Yeah. Put about a tablespoon in per pound. Well, thank you so much because as you know, better than most Marie with all the cooking that you do, man, is it expensive. And I feel like the more that you can eat at home and make eating at home fun, the more money we save by, because you know, still the grocery store versus a restaurant, we're still saving a lot of money. If we make it delicious, it's even better. I am with you. We eat at home as often as possible and, and try to keep it on budget and, you know, just, yeah, like you said, have some fun with it. And sometimes these, these new constraints, like trying new things that are cheaper, trying new ways to use um, ingredients. It, it expands our repertoire. So this is a good way to try something new and learn. And like you said, have some fun. Well, and I'm just thinking too, when you said you guys eat at home a lot, I'm like, if I live next door to you, I would eat at home too. I'd eat at your home. I'd be, I'd be knocking on you. I'd be, I'd try to be your favorite neighbor and I'd probably end up being your most annoying neighbor, Marie. My, the, my <laughs> husband's a lucky guy. You, you, you remind him of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the book is Don't Worry, Be Happy, as in the P, 101 Deliciously Clever Food Puns, and Bon Appetit says it's whimsical and downright playful, and Cheryl and I totally agree. So available everywhere, I'm assuming. Yes, anywhere books are sold. Thank you so much, Joe. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm Derek, and when I'm not working on the hook for Joe's mom's next greatest rap album, I'm stacking Benjamins, baby. Big thanks to Marie Saba. I love the fact that this was all born from Marie and her kids' Valentines. And I love how how many of the people we talk to, OG, where they do something that ends up being a little bit different one time, and they have the, I don't know, the mental acuity to say, oh, this might be a thing. Like, I could, I could expand on this. How many times have we heard somebody just kind of stumbles on some greatness? I think we do often. I don't think that this stumbling upon a good idea happens as rarely as people think. I think we all have good ideas. I think it's just some people do something with it. Uh, I mean, the integration, I found that you're either one of two things, right? You're either the person who can do all the work or the person that can think up all the work. And there's a lot of different words for this. People say, she's like, I don't do the work. So I must be the person that thinks of the work. Well, I mean, there is a little bit to that, but (laughs) you know, so some organizations call this, you know, the visionary versus an integrator or something like that. And that's kind of that, you know, you need to be able to have other people around you that can help turn your ideas into, into reality. 
so great that she was able to do that. And had she not had the platform in the first place, Bon Appetit magazine would not have called, would not have written or told her, hey, you should do something more with this. And she wouldn't have, then she wouldn't have been on the Stacking Benjamin show. No. I mean, that's, that's really the key to this whole thing. Great stuff. We will link to lots of food recipes, to Marie's site, to great ideas for Labor Day entertainment in our newsletter, the 201, stackybenjamins.com slash 201. The show is 101. The newsletter dives deeper into all of these areas. And what a fun issue of the 201 we have coming up. We've got a great, I know I alluded to this once before, we got an amazing giveaway coming up on the 201. Okay. So uh, one of these days you'll tell me what it is. We're going to, we're going to start giving some stuff away over there. Should be a good time on top of all the greatness you already get. All right. Time for us to take out the magnifying glass and examine closer. Somebody's money in our magnify money listener segment. This is where we help somebody magnify their money issue. So they're able to focus on what's much more important at Magnify Money, they know what's important with your money. Getting higher interest rates and realizing that those brick and mortar products you use every day, not exactly best in class. Over 92% of all of the banks are ranked head to head against each other, whether they're online or brick and mortar at magnifymoney.com. Head to stackybenjamins.com slash magnify money to see how you can compare, ditch, switch, and save. By the way, I don't think Magnify Money has has used that slogan in a long time, and I really like it. So Joe's bringing it back. Magnify Money, people, I'm bringing back your old slogan. Compare, ditch, switch, and save. Good stuff. Today, we're going to take out the magnifying lens. Well, some anonymous person is uh, throwing OG a softball. Oh, nice. Hi, Joe and OG. My fiance and I have been recently talking about getting a financial advisor, but we don't know where to start. We've Googled financial advisor and financial advisors in our area, but we don't really know what we're looking for or what's important when we're looking at this information. We'd love any advice or feedback that you might have in terms of how to find a financial advisor and what to look for. Doug, I hope you get a shirt soon. Yeah, somebody, uh, if only we knew a financial advisor, if only we knew one. Yeah. Well, I think that when it comes to looking for somebody that you want to work with, there has to be a lot of similarities. There needs to be a lot of things that you need that that person does. And I think that that relationship, you should go into it from a perspective of, like, I want to hang out with this person. This is the type of organization, or these are the type of people, or this is the person that I could totally have come to the Labor Day barbecue, you know? If every time that you look at your calendar, you're like, oh, crap, I got that stupid meeting with that dumb financial guy again. You know, that's not a productive deal. You want to be able to have a really open conversation, a really open relationship when it comes to your money. And and this person is kind of part of part of your team, you know, and is a sounding board for ideas that you have or a coach when you need motivation or or. You know, somebody can go, uh, I've been down this path. You don't want to go that way. That was bad. There's bad stuff that way. You know, a, a guide and a resource for for ideas in the future. And none of that is discernible from a website. You know, none of that is 
you can can you figure it out from reading a whole bunch of biographies or googling financial advisor dallas or something like that you know what i mean you have to have conversations with people you have to be exposed to the way that they think and the way that their businesses run and you'll find a good fit and so i'm a big fan of interviewing a few people i know you are as well but i don't have a i don't have a number in my mind it's not like okay well i need to talk to six people it's like well no you you need to find you need to talk to people until you find the person that you want. Maybe that happens in the first call, you know, which happens on occasion where you're like, huh, I knew it. Like, perfect. I would perfect st- fit. I would still call a second one there. If I thought that's the perfect fit, I would still call a second person. Yeah, you're probably right. But by the same token, I mean, we've had a lot of people at the house lately to do different projects around our house. And we had an electrician that came over and it was like, oh, yeah, this is our guy. I didn't, I didn't call a second electrician, you know? Check the boxes of nature, but I think an electrician, though, and, yeah, but I don't all that sort of stuff. I don't agree with that because I think the electrician is a one time deal. And certainly, if the price matches your budget, you're okay with that. And he's just going to be in and out. It's much more of a transaction versus a relationship. I'm not going to chat with the electrician. I while get what you're saying. Normally, in our case, it is a relationship. I have a relationship with our electrician. electrician. Scott is amazing. You guys spend a thousand dollars a week together at lunches. He was a guy that came over when we blew a fuse Memorial Day weekend. I've seen you blow a fuse. That is not good. Your family's no, like... like a literal fuse. No, I don't blow fuses anymore. Anyways, he came over. I, I called him. I said, it's Labor Day weekend. It's like, what can you tell me to do to keep this safe for the next few days? He's like, I'm in the area. I'll come by. Comes by and he goes, huh, is that pizza right there? I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, it's pizza. He's like, mind if I have a slice? And I'm like, no, go ahead. So he has a couple slices of pizza. He goes out to his truck, get his stuff, comes back, fixes the thing, takes him 30 seconds, you know, to fix. And then he goes, those, uh, those taps working? And the go, beer yeah, taps. Yeah. Yeah. What do you got in there? And I said, uh, Coors Light and Dos Equis. He goes, mind if I, uh, I said, hey, you're the one playing with electricity, electricity, buddy. <laughs> like, however many beers you think you need to get not hurt. I don't care. <laughs> He was the guy that's like, you know, give me two slices of pizza and three beers and uh, three I'm good. Beers. So. And I'm off to the next house to go I'm play with their electricity. It was like Saturday at like six o'clock at night on Memorial Day weekend. I mean, it was that's incredible. It was awesome. So I didn't need to interview anybody else. There's a he f- was our guy. There's a few things that uh, people are screaming at their device that we need to make sure that we we don't take for granted. And it's these things. You want to make sure they're a fiduciary. Uh, that's a question to ask. Do not, do not just take their word for it. We've had stories where people will lie about that. So make sure they're fiduciary that you can get that. See, in that's writing. the problem, though. Yeah, it's, it doesn't matter. You can put it in writing. You can you can say that you are. There's no way for a normal person, a consumer, to verify it, or for that person to be in trouble if they're lying about it. It's a useless term that we use now. It used to have meaning. It has zero meaning anymore because you can ask the guy who's selling you popcorn. Hey, are you fiduciary? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, this is the best I will popcorn. guarantee to sell you the only popcorn. You know, I'll search all the popcorn. I'll make sure that you get the best popcorn. And what happens if he's incorrect? Nothing. And that's the same thing that happens in the financial space. Second. Because there's so many people who have no idea. No, no, no. You, you opened this can of worms, bro. Now you got to deal with it. 
there's so many people who don't know what it means, both from a professional standpoint and or they're just full of crap. And they go, well, you know, I do the right thing. That's like being a fiduciary. You know, I do the right thing for clients. And don't get me wrong. I think that the vast majority of people do. I also think that a lot of people misuse the word. So it's watered down. It has absolutely no meaning. You can ask the, no joke, you can ask the broker at Merrill. You can ask the broker at at Edward Jones. You can ask the broker at um, Morgan Stanley, the broker at Ameriprise. And you can ask the independent guy down the street and go, are you guys all fiduciaries? I'll say yes. And four out of five of them are full of crap. So what does that mean? Does that mean that they're lying because they don't know? Is it mean, does it mean, is there, is there some punitive judgment that happens as the fiduciary police show up and take the sign off the wall? Of course it doesn't. There's no recourse for not telling the truth there. So it's stupid. It's stupid. And the SEC is weak and soft and refuses to address this. And the reason that they refuse to address it is because Morgan, Merrill, Ameriprise, Edward Jones, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, write big giant checks to those political action committees. Lobby hard. That make it so that they uh, don't have to do that sort of crap. And it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. Happens in every industry, I'm sure. So you can ask. You need to start off with what you want as well. I think you have to go in with what am I looking for from a financial advisor? Mm -hmm. And then once you know what you're looking for, then understand how they're paid in relation to what they do, just so there's no surprises later. You don't want to be surprised going, oh, oh, okay. So know what that relationship is. And by the way, they don't have to be in your area anymore. When you said, you know, we we look it up financial advisors in our area, like it doesn't need to be in your area. The cool thing is, is now, especially after COVID, so many people comfortable going online that now you've got a much wider playing field, which is good. Because there are uh, some disturbing statistics coming out about CFPs and the fact that roughly a third of them report self-report that they're going to retire in the next 10 years. And so you, we need a lot of people in this field. We need a, a lot more people. Yeah, there's roughly 90,000 CFPs. The replacement rate is not 30,000 a year at this current rate, I don't think. We got to have, have a lot. And then last... And to me, this is the important thing. You have to come to the relationship with a CEO mentality. And what I mean by that is you are still the captain of your ship. You still run your company. You are not abdicating the throne. And too many of my bad relationships with clients and frankly, with some of my advisors, when either I abdicated or they abdicated, depending on which role I was in. When I was the advisor, if my client abdicated and just gave it all to me, nothing worked. It was horrible. You have to be in control and your advisor makes you smarter. If you're just giving your, trying to give your financial security to somebody so you don't have to deal with it, big mistake, huge, huge mistake. And last, there was a piece I wrote a long time ago, OG, which lots of this actually showed up in stacked in my book, which is how to identify bad advisors. And especially if you go into their office, if you meet with them in their office, you can very quickly identify who a bad advisor is. Number one, if the receptionist, and you can even do this online if you're booking the appointment with a human, if the receptionist, the person that's doing that appointment scheduling seems disgruntled, unhappy, not fully into the customer experience, 
these are not that big an office. And even when they are, the biggest financial planning offices are not huge. I can tell you nine years of being in PR for a big firm. I got to go into a lot of financial advisory offices. The disgruntled receptionist was always disgruntled for a reason and it came from the top. I never found somebody that was a fantastic advisor who had a crappy receptionist. It was usually a one-to-one ratio. <laughs> so Interesting. watch out for that. Number two is if you go into their lobby, if you actually do go to the office and they're playing Kramer or Fox Business in the lobby, this is somebody who's making your pulse go up, who's maybe making your palms a little sweaty, showing you the action on the market. We don't want that. You want somebody who's got the travel channel on. They're helping you realize that this is a marathon, not a sprint. And that, you know what, by having a plan, we're going to make things better for your life today and tomorrow. So if there's anything, even on the website about stock jock, about the excitement of the markets, whatever that might be, probably the wrong advisor as as well. And those are two, two things that I still notice today. I go to some websites today, OG, and I'm like, wow, that's what you're selling? Some people are buying it, sadly. Yeah. Well, because we think that the advisor is a stock jock magician for me and not great. And then some claims. I think it's funny, the claims that I'm going to call out a dude. Since you called out the SEC, I'm going to call out Ken Fisher because Ken Fisher's advertising is hilarious. We get paid more when you do well, something nobody else does. No, 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 Ken. You mean something everybody else does. <laughs> Ken's advertising is we do things where we help you get smarter about your money. Nobody else does that. That's why we're Fisher and we're better. No, Ken, every good advisor does that. Oh, those advertisements drive me crazy. Ken Fisher, your advertising is so slimy. It is so, so slimy. Ugh, I got to take a- Must work. Got to take it. It clearly works. All right. Thanks for that question, Anonymous. We took a softball and I think we uh, put some- Put some texture to that thing. Uh, we get some notes from time to time, and I don't bring these up enough, but we just got a note in the mailbag a couple days ago from, I think it's pronounced Arelli. And Arelli writes, I love the show, but I had to say something about the episode on side hustles. Arelli writes, MLMs really are that bad. I would think financially smart people like you would know better than to promote them on your podcast. Very disappointed. Please do your due diligence on MLMs. In fact, why not do a deep dive on them on your show and you'll see why they really are, all capitals, terrible. Thank you, Aureli, for that. I want to I go back to that episode because we did not promote MLMs, number one. The point I was trying to make, and Aureli, I apologize if I didn't make this point strong enough when I said that I don't think MLMs are the devil. What I was saying, OG, is that MLM is a structure of finding your customer. It's just a structure. I'm going to create this sales force. And the reason companies do this, by the way, is it is often companies that either are selling something they want to be relationship-based or they're selling something that is better sold in living rooms. They do it for a bunch of different reasons where they think that this is going to be, this is going to be the best way to sell. The problem in my head is not the structure the structure can sell good products. There can be good products that are sold as MLM, as anything else. 
the problem, and I also brought this up in the show, and I apologize if the first one was so muted that the second one did not come through. The problem with MLMs then is not the structure, it's the people, the people who are lying about how a business actually operates. If somebody tells you that you can have something for nothing, that there is a free lunch, think about your favorite companies, think about your favorite entrepreneurs, think about the people that you see actually get somewhere. How many of those people do it by just sitting with their feet up and doing nothing? By doing nothing. Nobody, nobody. That's not the way it works. It's a fantasy if you think that you can sit around and do absolutely nothing and get paid. You're going to be a better entrepreneur if you have a service mentality. But it's passive income, Joe. Isn't there passive income? That is a lot. So I can passively, actively work just in a different job. So Aureli, I think I was making a comment that is a little more nuanced. I do think there's horrible people in MLMs. I think they're selling snake oil, meaning they're selling a dream. They're not even selling the product. They're selling the fact that you can get rich on the back of this product by doing nothing, by recruiting other people to sell it so you don't have to. That is a lie. That is a complete lie. That said, OG, you know people that are good people that have made a lot of money selling MLMs. And by the way, those people work their ass off. The question you always have to ask yourself is, if I can sit around with my feet up, the hell are you doing at my house at seven o'clock on a Saturday night? Like, aren't you supposed to be sitting around with your feet up? (laughs) The people who do really well and are making lots of money are still out there selling. They're out there doing the job and they're doing it at hours. Yeah. And in an ethical way. Yeah. But they're doing it in hours when a lot of people are at home with their feet up, you know? Yeah. They're, they're hustling. So I apologize that we did not make that point as clear as I want. I do not like it when people say that a business structure is bad in the same way, OG, that I don't like it when people say that a type of investment is bad. These investment types were created for a specific reason. They were created because of the fact that there was a need for this thing. Then some (laughs) a-hole says, oh, I can take this product and I can use it in a different way. And, and, you know, and then it gets, gets horrible or a company shows up with a product type and goes, oh, maybe if I jack up the commissions, I'll get more people selling this product. No, what you're going to get are scam artists that know how to scam people out of money because you have a jacked up commission. Anyway, would you ever do an MLM? No. Is it because they're bad or because you already have a company? I don't know anything about it. I've had lots of, like when I was younger, a lot of those conversations like, hey, you know, this is how easy this is type deal. Basically what you're saying about all of the not so good parts of it. Yeah. But like I've talked about, I I know of people that do well financially and do good stuff for the people that they're around. So I'm with you. I don't think that it's, I think that there's lots of bad ones and few good ones, but that doesn't mean, you know, they're all bad. It's like, it's no different than, I mean, you hear a bad story about a financial planner or something like that, that did something. Oh, you know, they're all crooks. It's like, no, there's some bad ones. Absolutely. Just like there's bad firefighters and bad army soldiers and bad politicians. My wife buys sports stuff from a sports MLM, a sports related MLM, a workout related MLM and loves Mm -hmm. the products. 
she's been yeah she's been offered she's been told she can get a discount if she starts selling it too she's like i don't want the discount i just really like the product it's a fine product yeah. and i'm gonna buy it the mlm structure is it is what it is so back in the days before people were online with travel god that makes me sound so old somebody was doing a uh was doing a travel agent mlm where you could help your friends book their trips and get them huge savings now we call that hotwire.com but, or kayak <laughs> or travelocity, whatever. But back then, you could be a travel agent and help people do it. And I thought that was a fine product. And I used somebody else's product. I actually looked at getting into that one, but I decided that my career as a financial planner did not jive with that. Why is my financial planner trying to help me book my flights? <laughs> you, you, not make, you not make it enough advising Private people? Office. Yeah. So that was that one. And then there was another one, which was a business-related MLM, where again, I like the product. And I just said, no, thank you, not for me, because I've got other other stuff going on. And I do know a lot about it, and I have studied it. And I do think there's snake oil people out there, but uh, I'm going to stick with it. Doesn't make that business structure bad. All right, enough of that. Thank you for that letter. If you've got a note for us, be much more like Anonymous, who thinks that Doug's getting a t-shirt. You and I know the truth there. <laughs> You know, it's the the website's available. He could always order one. He could. If he wants it that badly. Stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail. They are nice. All right. That's going to do it for today. This is our last live recording uh, for just over a week. Of course, Friday is a show that we recorded live going into Labor Day. This is a fun episode. So join us on Friday. Next week, the Finturn comes in to clean up our mess here and previews the next eight weeks with a great series of three best of shows. We've been doing this for 10 and a half years and we're coming up on episode 1300 of the Stacky Benjamin show. So there's a lot of good ones to choose from. And the Fintern does a great job of picking some of those out and replaying them for you. So enjoy a best of week next week. When we come back, got some great people coming up Controversial figure Sam Dogan, Financial Samurai, is going to be on the Stacking Benjamin Show. And Ramit Sethi, maybe less controversial, from I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Bola Sekunbi uh, from Clever Girl Finance is going to join us and many, many more. Uh, Phil and Danielle Town are also coming up in the next eight weeks. And I'll tell you one more, Jespreet Singh, Minority Mindset. Can't wait to finally get Jespreet on the show. Huge YouTube channel, I think over a million And people. apparently some giveaway that uh, I don't get to know and about. And some giveaway in the 201 that we're keeping from OG. So a great eight weeks. And last though, and really more important than all of that, if you're concerned about the market and the chatter around recession, OG and his team put together a free guide that shares eight moves to make in a down market. The guide will help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. So head on over to stackingbenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackingbenjamins.com slash guide and get this helpful free guide from OG. Thanks for that, OG. And thanks to Doug, who's walking back up to the mic. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? So what should we have learned today? First, take some advice from Marie Saba. Just because groceries are expensive doesn't mean you have to eat bad food this Labor Day weekend or ever. Olive going bananas for great food. And it doesn't have to cost a ton. 
Second, and as important, you don't have to spend $1,000 a week eating at restaurants if you begin with your budget or maybe your waistline in mind. But the big lesson? Wait, it's, it's Netflix and chill? I always thought it was Netflix and grill. So why do they always tell me to bring the meat? I'm so confused. Thanks to Marie Saba for joining us today. Her book, Don't Worry, Be Happy, is available now wherever you buy your puns. Also, check out her website for recipes and more. MarieSaba.com, spelled S-A-B-A. You know what? We'll just include a link in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com because that's hard. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest Podcast. Brooke Miller is our producer today and our amazing newsletter editor of The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all The Basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at The Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. We're talking about driving. You're an insanely slow driver. I, I, am, I, am, I had to take a defensive driving course because I got too many speeding tickets. This well, we all been, had to do that stuff when we were teenagers. I'm saying now you're like an old man. You just like, you know, you just kind of put down the road. Put, 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 By the put. way, I'm not bragging about this. This is not stuff you brag about. Kids do not do this. I got a ticket driving back from Shreveport. I did not get a ticket. And we can talk about that in a second, but I got a warning uh, because I was- You were in, asked kindly to speed up because you drive so slow. 98 
I was going 98 miles an hour in a 75, 22 miles over the speed limit. And the officer pulls me over and said, uh, do you know why I pulled you over? I said, well, what's funny is I do now, but when I saw your car, that was the first time I knew how fast I was going, which by the way, was completely true because I was listening to the NFL playoff like watching game. a movie. Because <laughs> yeah. I had my iPad out over here. <laughs> Between the text messages and podcast editing I was doing, I had no time to pay attention to the speed limit. I was trying to change the radio just as I got the old one out, right? <laughs> no, I, uh, I was listening to the Buffalo Bills play the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't know if you remember that game, OG, but whoever had the ball last was going to win. Because they just kept going back and forth and back and forth. And so I'm mm-hmm. driving faster and faster. I'm not paying any attention. I literally see the cop car coming toward me. I look down. I'm going 98 miles an hour. He swings around, you know, uh, comes racing up. I told Cheryl well ahead of time. I actually pulled over. The second I saw him come around, I pulled over and I was waiting for him when he got there. Maybe that helped me. I don't know. That's what I do. He came up and he said, uh, and I told him, I said, I'm listening to this football game. And he actually laughs and he goes, I'm listening to that game too. What's going on right now? And so we pause for a second in our discussion so he can lean his head in on Cheryl's side and, and listen to the game too. I turned, I turned it up for him and we sit there and listen. And he goes, he takes my license and registration and says, all right, I'll be back. You're like, can I get you a beer? <laughs> we only have the two open here. But there is a there's a case in the back. The cooler's in the back if you want right. to slide right in. Next to the drugs. It's in the back next to the drugs. So the cop comes back to the window and said, it said, okay. And he's got this piece of paper in his hand. And he said, all right, <clears throat> moment of truth. Which team do you want to win? And I get this panic look in my eye because <laughs> he's made it 50-50 for his own enjoyment. And I think about where I'm at, right? I'm in between Texarkana and Shreveport. Buffalo's a hell of a long way and way north. But I also decided the truth is the best policy. So I said this. I said, well, normally in most games, I would be for the Kansas City Chiefs. I love Kansas City as a town. You know that. Uh, my daughter lived there. I just thought it was a really cool place. Every time I've gone there, I've, I've enjoyed Kansas City. And I like Kansas City sports. Uh, we know Joel Goldberg, who works with the Royals. So, yeah, normally be Kansas City, I said, but Buffalo hasn't been in so long. It's been so, so long since Buffalo's done anything, and they're so good this year. I got to pull for Buffalo. He goes, well, that's too bad, and he starts to put it toward me, and my eyes just get a little big, and then he goes, no, nah, just kidding. I want Buffalo to win, too. He said, this is a warning. It shouldn't be a warning because you're 22 miles over. That is way, way too fast. Slow it down. And then he said the magic words, young man. A dude who's maybe 20 years younger than me. Slow down, young man. I'm like, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So take that in your Joe drive slow. So once out, because I've driven with you before. And the only tickets you would be earning would be the, sir, please, there's a service drive next to the highway where all the slow cars go. And it's way less expensive. They don't even charge you to be on those roads. Like, just go over there and you can stop as frequently as you want. There's like red lights to slow you down even more. 
sir, we uh, pulled you over because you're dragging your seatbelt. So slow. I would have liked to have been in the car for this. Is there a video of this? Because I feel like this this seems like it was a dream that you had that you manifested into. I know you trust my spouse more than me. So ask Cheryl. Next time you see Cheryl, say, is this 90? Was she with you? Yes. Because there's no way she would have let you driven 98 miles. She did. She did. She was in the car. Listen to the game. She was like, speed up, dude. How come you're driving slower than you normally do? I'm like, I know. I know. I'm only going 98. I'm (laughs) sorry. false. (laughs) Your cars don't go 98. Nice try. You know how fast I got to do the Fred Flintstone to get it to go 98? Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.